Thanks for tuning in to the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. We are on episode number 28. Today, I've got my co-captain with me. Scott Larson. And Scott, will you do us the honors of doing the the intro of who is with us today? Well, I think I introduced him last time, but I will continue. This is the man who last year had the single best year in pinball history. He not only won the Twippy for the best game, he also released what will be one of the best games coming up. And he also won Pinberg and he also decided to ride a unicorn. We have Keith Elwin. Thank you. Hello. Not a bad year, right? I know, right? Not at all. That's a fantastic year. <laughs> it's a little bit, it's a little better than my year. So, and my year was pretty good. So yeah, that's good. Oh my goodness. What do you, it's been a little bit since we've had John Keith. I mean, it's some things have happened. I mean, the last time we had John, we were joking about dinosaurs and then, uh, you know, Jurassic Park came out. <laughs> yeah, that was all unscripted too. You guys are just kept talking about it. So I was like, all right, we'll talk about He's, the date East Jurassic Park. Yeah. Let's lean into it. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, Josh, you, you did have the date East Jurassic Park back in the day. So yes, at, I did. And at least that, that was a reason for it. Yep. Yeah, I think you so. had just picked it up, and you kept talking about it. And so I'm sitting here thinking to myself, huh, all right. You guys are trolling me. <laughs> We're trolling the troll, yes. <laughs> Not the troll, you're the goat. Or or the kid. We, we oh. keep hearing you called the kid now. Yeah, the kid. <laughs> the kid. The gray kid. <laughs> How's the weather in Chicago? Is it still freezing there? Uh, I haven't seen a sun in months. So do you have to wear leggings over your shorts? <laughs> Actually, so we have two guys here committed to wearing shorts every single day, and they give me crap when I wear pants. So I am not the worst, it turns out. Well, I do live in, what, 5,000 feet above sea level, and we have guys here that wear shorts every day of the year, and it's 18 inches of snow on the ground and below freezing, and I, I don't get it, but hey, that's just me, I guess. I'd do it. I'd do it. I'm only outside for maybe 10 seconds. See, and that I get. I'm, I'm out in the freezing. I'm fixing people's heaters. So I, I get warm enough to, to skip out and get in the cold again to go fix someone else's heater. So, Yeah, and half the times I uh, go to work in scrubs, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's one step above pajamas is what I hear. So I don't even think it's one step. I think it's equivalent. <laughs> All right. Well... I know that everyone listening doesn't want to talk, hear Keith talk about his shorts. So let's let's dive in really quick. Uh, we hear that 1.0 finally released today. Are you, are you excited to finally have that burden off your shoulder there, Keith? It's releasing as we speak. And yes, yes, I'm pretty excited. Uh, it's been a long time. I know the game's only been out for like seven months now. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, this, uh, it was quite an undertaking. It's, there's a lot of code in there. Almost twice as much as Iron Maiden, so it's uh, yeah. The the scope was that that we were able to barely squeeze it into in the uh, allotted time, and uh, I like how it came out. No complaints. Has has anyone seriously complained about this game? Like seriously, like it's. I, oh yeah. You're hearing like, oh, yeah. oh come on, like I'm hearing it's the greatest thing that Stern's ever made, which is saying something compared to like Lord of the Rings and whatnot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Jurassic Park is definitely uh, a shooter's game, and I knew that going into it. And so I knew some people would like complain that the shots were too hard, and you know that's fine. Uh, that's it's how I intended, and uh, it, it's like I said, I really it was a change of pace to me for Iron Maiden because I I made the shots pretty easy on Iron Maiden, I think. So I wanted to do something a little different on this game and make it a little more of a shooter's game, but at the same time still retain some easy shots. So it is what it is. Now, that's the question when you're actually developing a game. I've always said this is the hardest thing to do is that you you guys are always trying to thread the needle, that you're trying to appeal to, one, the tournament guys. You're also trying to appeal to casual guys. You're trying to appeal to the home market. You're also trying to appeal to the number one person on the IFPA, but you're also trying to appeal to the 850th thousandth person on the ipa how do you actually approach that and is it even possible to put all of that in one game no no it's all about finding middle ground and part of my design strategy for jurassic was seeing the games around it 
releasing before and after and trying to differentiate between this game and the other games we're releasing in that time period. So uh, I made the decision to make uh, kind of a complex shooters game. Um, it was tough knowing that, uh, like even Gary complained, but the uh, the map feature, well, then that was players not going to get very far, very far in the map. But I was like, well, you know, we got this cool ball eating T-Rex. You hit the truck, it, it spells T-Rex, he comes out and grabs the ball, and he, he was sold. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a struggle finding a balance. Well, and right now everyone's talking about the mini game you just came out with. Well, it's been released for about a month now, correct? Uh, yeah, hard to tell. I've been playing it for so long. <laughs> so was the mini game always part of the actual pinball experience, or was it something that kind of came along later in the process? I had always planned to have it accessible through the menus to as a little cheat because that's what we do in the office. Uh, we have a build that has you basically go in there, you can start pretty much any mode you want. And uh, everyone was doing that. They were they were opening up, cheating into it, playing it, and um, so I kind of get my wheels going. And then when Dwight did his his God mode with an adjustment, I said, "This is great, but it kind of sucks that you know." the average person on location can't access it. And so I talked to our system guy, Mark Gratorelli, and he's like, oh yeah, no problem. I can just, you know, just like we do with the tournament selecting, you can just hold a button, you can play a special game. I was like, great. And so then I set about to see how I can make it different from the actual Nublar wizard mode. So uh, being a video gamer, I know these guys will take these old tired games and rejuvenate them by doing speed runs. So I came up with the idea, well, let's just take this existing wizard mode we have and add a timer and make an easy path uh, kind of set for you. So if you really want to try to get a great time, you're not you're not spending all this time, you know, catching dinosaurs and saving people. You're just kind of making a beeline out of there. And uh, that's how it was born. Now, I, I played this uh, two nights ago. I went over to my buddy's house and we we did have a few questions. So the truck it sets out a path for you, which is basically uh, on the east side of the island. You're going all the way down. Okay. It, do you have to follow that path or is it is that just a suggested route or does it even matter? Well, see now in 1.0, however you start uh, Escape Nublar Challenge, whichever direction the truck's facing, that's your easy route. So if it's facing a right, uh, you'll, you'll take the the left side route facing left. You'll take the right side route, and it's a suggested route for speedrunners. Uh, if you take that route, you're not going to get a very good score, but you're going to get a good time. So there's two different ways to play this game. You, if you're playing for score, you want to take the difficult route, and you're you're rescuing more people, you're capturing dinosaurs, which is even more points. Uh, the the rescue streak bonus applies, so the more people you rescue without losing anyone the, the more points it's worth so there's two different ways to play it uh if, if you're getting your feet wet and you don't really care about time certainly take the easy path but uh there's going to reach a point where you're going to you're going to be escaping almost all the time so you're going to start dabbling into the uh the more difficult path can you basically just say i don't want to rescue anybody i'm out of here i am out i am gone because it seemed <laughs> like we had to rescue at least one person or two people before we actually could move on yeah, yeah, that dynamic had to stay, but uh, pretty much every paddock has people to rescue. So uh, you do you get a big bonus if you hit every single paddock in the game. So the the paddock it set the the map path that it sets out for you is basically simulating that you took that side up during regular gameplay. So if if I get to Nublar legitimately, every paddock I visit then becomes the easy path when I get to Nublar. So when you do the Escape Nublar Challenge, it's basically simulating a path that you took, that you rescued a bunch of people, you captured these dinosaurs, so now that's the safe route out. You're retracing your steps. Uh, there are still a couple of stragglers laying around need to be rescued, but you don't have to capture the dinosaurs because in theory they've already been captured. Uh, so that's kind of your, like, your, your bail on everyone else that's stranded in the park and get to the helipad. Do you see you guys using this in tournament mode? Because I actually see this as being a very 
uh, a very broadcast friendly way of actually playing the games. Um, because, and th- that's basically how pool is. I mean, pool, they play nine ball because it's fast and it's easy television. I could see this being a very easy thing that they could either, you know, on Twitch or on uh, ESPN Ocho or whatever. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. That wasn't part of my thinking, but part of my thinking was that whenever I'm playing with people, they, people generally don't like playing with me for playing a multiplayer game. They'll run off and start playing something else while I'm taking my turn. <laughs> so, you know, that's to me that, that represents a problem in pinball. So this was kind of a partial solution, I think, is to make a uh, basically a mini mode where I'm not going to take that long. You know, I'm pretty much down to around, you know, two and a half minutes to beat it. So if, if, if I'm going to play, you know, if my buddies or whatever, I know my turn will be over in, in two and a half minutes, no matter what. So that they'll stay put and they'll hang around. And they'll interact. So that's something I'm trying to bring in here. Well, and the other thing too, I noticed today, I got an email because I'm an all access person and you guys are doing an actual competition with this mode within the all access, all access program. Um, are you seeing other people getting down to two and a half minutes or is that like kind of what we should be trying to aim for, for, or for trying to enter the competition? <laughs> well, I think to me, the two minutes is a magical mark, uh, is a very difficult, but possible. Um, so I think, you know, that's great. I know mean, there's a handful of people in the world that can possibly do that. So um, I wouldn't like hold myself to this time <laughs> per se. <laughs> uh, I think that's, that's, you know, whatever time you get, the time you get, the important part is you escaped. So uh, when you, like right now, like I, I played for time for so long that now I'm actually going through and playing it for points and trying to figure out where the bar is for maximum points. And right now I think it's about 2 billion. <laughs> I, nice. I think I had about two hundred thousand. So, well, what I'll do is I'll start on a speed run, and if I mess up the first paddock, then I'll switch to the other path and try to go for points. Bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see if it pays off, right? <laughs> yeah, but I'm looking forward to uh, people podcasting their their speed runs and bragging rights and everything that goes with it. Now, now, you took this down to Logan's Arcade and loaded it up. How did the community accept it? What was their response? Uh, I'm assuming a lot of people knew about it because, you know, because of the proximity to Stern. Um, but what was your experience? Oh, it was very positive. So, you know, a lot of the, the hardcore players was like, yeah, it's great. I played for a while. I won a free game. And it was like, I didn't want to play it again. But I, I used my credit to play Dublar and, you know, to try to get on that high scoreboard. So it's doing what it was meant to do. It was just kind of rejuvenating a game that, you know, if you don't have time to play a half hour, whatever, you can play this, you know, th- three or four minute game and still get your names up, your name up there. And uh, one of the things I had Rick do was put during Escape the Boy Challenge, you know, just permanently show the, the the scores that you're chasing at the top three scores. So and that, that partially that's bragging rights. So your initials will be up there for everyone to see every time they're in that mode. So. I think, I think that's important. Well, and it, it's brilliant. Like you said, cause a lot of people, they look for a balance in their collection at home where they have the long players like Lord of the Rings, but they might have a short player like Braum Stroker's Dracula. And depending on their evening, they say, Hey, I'm going to flip on Braum Stroker's because I got five minutes and it's going to kick my butt. And then I'm going to move on with the rest of my night. Or, you know, I've got a couple hours. Let's play some more of the ring. So it, that's an awesome idea. That way it's, you get the best of both worlds in one machine. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there's specific design decisions I made, such as you get three trucks, no, no more, no less. You're, you're not getting any more trucks and tilt ends game, which should discourage death savers. So uh, it's, it's going to be consistently that every time it's, it's never going to change. You're never going to have extra trucks, never going to have extra balls. Once you're in that mode, you're in that mode and you know, your parameters, you know what you need to do. So I was listening to, to TPN, the slot or the pinball show, whatever it was, and Zach Many had mentioned that he feels like this mode is cheating. What What do you think of that? I want to know what your thoughts are because I have heard some people say this is kind of like cheating the machine by getting to the end mode and seeing the end mode without putting the work in for it. Well, it's not the end mode. That's the thing. <laughs> okay. That's what like I thought. That, I'm like, that's, it seems like a misconception to me, but I just wanted you to clear that up. <laughs> when Dinosaurs Rule the Earth is the actual 
wizard mode for beating the game. Okay. This this is more of a uh, more of a story themed wizard mode because that's what I had to work with. So that's okay. it got the most attention. Whereas when dinosaurs rolled the earth, hardly anyone's going to get there. So we didn't really want to spend that much resources on it. We decided to focus it all on Nublar and make it its own little mini game. Just along with what you said, I think it's great because a lot of times I only have five to 10 minutes. And so I come down on my go-to game is Iron Man because I know I'm only going to spend five to 10 minutes on it. And then I just uh, go back up and do whatever I need to. And so having a game that actually fills both of those niches, I think is a brilliant move. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know why people think it's cheating. It's uh, (laughs) okay. Um, (laughs) I think it's because of the misconception there. So. I just well, people need to understand if this was a mode buried deep in a game where one percent of the pinball property is ever going to see it, uh, I would have got no resources for it. It would have been, and if you've gotten to number of the beasts on uh, Iron Maiden, you know that was very simple, straightforward, uh, because I knew hardly anyone would get there. So it's just it's resource allocation. You, how much do you want to spend on something nobody's going to see, whereas put as much stuff up front that everyone can enjoy. So. Call it what you want, but uh, I'm probably going to do this moving forward with all my games. Awesome. Well, that, I think that's one of the questions we had. Do you think this mini game is not only something – we'll probably see it on your games, but do you think it's something that will be adopted through all the other games as well? Because it's – like Scott said, it's kind of more friendly to uh, to time play. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I haven't really talked to any of the other guys, but um, I'm definitely – it's in the menu now. So you – if it's available, you can hold down the flipper buttons and access it. So I'm assuming the other guys are looking at it, but I haven't actually talked to them. So here's another question with with the mini games basically giving you a different way of playing a game. Uh, what are some of the older games that you could look at and say, huh, that would be a lot of fun if I had the time and uh, the programming uh, prowess. I would love to design a mini game for that game. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind would be um encore on acdc because that is so hard to get to but once you get to it it's such a great wizard mode that yeah that would be my first choice that's a good one i yeah i i can't even yeah i i haven't even scratched the surface on the uh wizard mode on acdc so i i'm just lucky if i get multi-ball yeah see that's my point exactly it was it's such a great mode but nobody sees it so that's why I'm trying a little something different. I kind of did the same thing with uh, Iron Maiden. It's like, you know, here's this wizard mode, but if you beat the entire game, here there's something special reward for you. You know, kind of like the, the Valinor type of uh, do everything, beat everything, this is your reward. But, I mean, how many people have actually seen Valinor? So it's not enough to really spend a lot of time on it. Yeah. I'm kind of skeptical about whether or not anybody but the top 10 players have actually been to Valinor. Well, anyone else that's taken off the glass of their machine too. So, you know, <laughs> I have, and let me tell you, I was, I had a Lord, I used to operate a Lord of the Rings and I had one at my house while I was shopping it. And it was right about midnight. I was like, ah, I'll play a game, a quick game of pinball before I go to bed. And I kid you not, it was almost 2 a.m. when I finally got to bed, but I got Valinor. So it was totally worth it. <laughs> See, that's, that's the exact story that Eric Minure had is he was at his brother's house and he played and it was like Christmas Eve. And yeah, it was the same thing. It was about midnight and he started a game and about 2 a.m. He started screaming and his brother came running out asking what was wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's quite the game of endurance, but uh, I love it. Great game. Yes, yes. So so I'm curious. I don't know if, if people out there in our audience know what goes on kind of at Stern, but you're, you're kind of at the end of your game, your Jurassic Park game. And what does a daily schedule, what is it like for Keith going on from here on out? Like, I know you can't tell us anything about your game that you're you're building now, but like, do you guys just sit around and, and play pinball and just kind of come up with ideas? Like, I I, I don't know what, what happens. Like, uh, So game three is designed. It's pretty much in the can, and I'm working on game four at the CAD stages. So there's always something to do. Yeah, I just didn't know if it's like, you know, two o'clock, I I do yoga, and then three o'clock, I 
I don't know if it's scheduled out, if you guys have like a really relaxed yeah. schedule or what you do there. So the first year I worked here, yeah, I, I literally had nothing else to do because I hadn't had any games released. But um, yeah, now that, you know, Iron Maiden, Jurassic Park are, you know, they, they're still doing runs of them. So I still have to go out in the line and spot check them now and then. So uh, no, it's, it's managed to stay busy. Cool. What do you look for when you go to the line? Uh, so usually the uh, in final they'll have questions um, like today I was asked well how should the because we're their uh, Jurassic Parks are back on the lines and sometimes we'll get new guys and we'll say well how is this um, control room feed supposed to feed is it supposed to hit the top of the sling is it supposed to hit the flipper so you'll have to go out there and tell them exactly what it's supposed to do and then uh, they'll they'll make notes and make sure that's what it does so it's pretty simple Saturday's coming up. Uh, everyone's talking about already. Pinberg is going to be opening up at, at noon Eastern Standard Time. So as the champ of Pinberg last year, do you have to set in that line or do you actually get to <laughs> jump the line as a returning champion to defend your title? Well, that would be nice, right? That should be a perk. But That should be a perk. <laughs> but it, unfortunately, it is not. So, um, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just a peon when it comes to that. See, that seems crazy to me uh, because even like American Ninja Warrior, they have two lines. They have the lines of people who routinely are basically the invite line. And then they have the, hey, whoever wants to to try, you can wait in this line. Uh, it, it seems to me if you are uh, if you are the top 100 player or at least were in the top 100 last year, you should immediately get, I don't know, like priority seating or priority yeah, you should include a VIP pass for next year's. I agree. So if Doug yeah. Polk was listening, um, make it so. Well, I, I understand they're trying to make it available to everybody. But I mean, come on. It, I, it would be absolutely ridiculous if they're like, well, uh, we wanted to see Keith Elwin in the finals this year. But unfortunately, he was uh, 1400th on the list. So <laughs> he just didn't push F5 fast enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I, I don't know. I don't need special treatment. I don't, I've never had problems registering. So uh, as long as you don't forget, you should be fine. At least hit the, uh, the wait list. And it seems like they almost blow through the wait list every year. So, yeah. It, what is, what is your favorite memory about Pinberg? Uh, any Pinberg? Yeah. And this last one. Uh, well, any Pinberg, I think it's the first year they had the stage and all the streaming. Uh, that was pretty fun. Even though I, I want, I got third that year, but I had a lot of fun because it was so different than anything done previously. Uh, this year, man, this year was a blur this past year. I barely remember playing. Okay. Well, I do have one, uh, one question because I was watching the stream and I saw you cradle up with a ball on the right flipper on Metallica. And then you live caught and flipped again with the right flipper and kept the ball cradled. I've never uh, seen that happen. All right. I'll take your word for it. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm like, is that, is, is that a routine move? Like my attitude is like, I don't even see how that happened. Uh, I don't know. I must've been aiming for something. I, yeah. I don't remember. I, I totally forgot. I even played Metallica. So, oh. All right. well, you did, you did re just release Jurassic park. So I assume you were bouncing back and forth between. Yeah, that was, that was really draining between. I didn't really get a break because I had to go get feedback. Uh, on Jurassic between rounds. So, uh, yeah, pretty busy. So you're like, I, I got to win this Pinberg thing so I can get that out of the way so I can go get some feedback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, my feet were killing me that weekend. Oh, I bet. So so what makes a tournament game great? I don't know if there's any one thing because, you know, I used to think it was, you know, a variety of ways to attack it. But at the same time, there's... Uh, games like uh, Dracula, as you were saying, there was like, hey, do the thing. I challenge you to do the thing. And if you do the thing, and you're greatly rewarded, you know, stacking all three multiballs. So, you know, I'm not sure. Um, I think part of it is not something that you're not doing the exact same thing over and over. Like, to me, scared stiff. Um, now that, you know, the tournament strategy is just get in a multiball, cradle at the left, and just keep shooting the left ramp over and over again. And to me, that doesn't make a good tournament game. It's very yeah. boring for the audience and the player. 
it would seem to me that there would be some sort of exponential scoring component where you could even come back on ball three, even if you had two house balls on the first one, where it's not just continually chopping wood, where if you, you know, if you hit that shot five times, it's worth this much, but Hey, hit it 10 times. It's worth significantly more and maybe, you know, hit it 20 and you just completely blow the game. Yeah. I despise linear rule sets, so I will never do that. (laughs) Uh, As much as I love Tron, I don't think it's a fun tournament game because yeah, somebody has a 50 million ball one. I know it's like, I, I gotta settle down for 15 minutes, chop wood to catch him. So what's your favorite tournament format? I, I assume you've played a, in a couple tournaments, right? Uh, I've read about them. Uh, let me oh, think. Okay. Uh, I think that would be Pinburg. Okay, the uh, the old style where you have the ticket or the current style? Uh, I like the match play style. I like, okay. I like being told what to play, when to play it. You know, I, I really like that as opposed to here's 12 games, pick five, just keep dumping money in. Played as many times as you want until you qualify. To me, that that's boring. I like the challenge of not knowing what I'm going to play, who I'm going to play. I, I think that adds to the fun of it for me, anyway. What else you got, Scott? I'll tell you guys a secret if you want. Yeah, sir. We won't. We won't tell anyone. I swear. No, I know. We <laughs> added a fourth skill shot to Jurassic Park after you get the double super skill shot, and this will unlock. Something that you may not notice right away, but you probably will eventually notice. And I'm going to leave it at that. Well, great. Now everyone's going to rush out and start playing Jurassic Park as much as they can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, what's that? What's that one thing I got to figure out so I can post it on the internet first, right? Everyone, exactly. Everyone's going to yeah, be exactly. the first. We should have a contest. See the first person to figure this out. <laughs> I saw your teaser picture that had the DNA molecule, so maybe it has some, something to do with that today. No, Mr. DNA's back. I was going to put him on a milk carton, but uh, I didn't have time. So I just yeah. threw him up as a temporary <laughs> profile picture. But he is back and he, he's mad. He was mad he was gone. So uh, we uh, actually revamped that a little bit. We have an instant info screen now that shows which ones you've collected, which ones you need, and how to get them. So uh, it was actually kind of good that we left him out because that gave us an excuse to go back and uh, give a little bit of an overhaul. Uh, a couple of the ones that I've deemed too hard were made a bit easier. So people should be getting more DNA. Should see more Mr. DNA. Awesome. Now, were they hard for you or hard for mortals? Uh, both. I, some of them were, were pretty ridiculous. And I was like, nobody's ever going to get this. So, you know, some of them that were four shots, I made three. Some were, were three. I made two. Um, and the good thing is that you can just, anytime you're in instant info, you can look up and say, hey, I need this one. Okay, it's left ramp, right helipad target so uh it's no longer a mystery does anybody get confused when you're because you're fleeing you're actually coming toward you and so the truck is actually pointed the opposite direction of the way the map is showing does anybody get confused by that besides me well it depends if you're in main game or nublar yeah (laughs) well i i guess in the escape nublar i kept saying uh, for it took me a second to figure out. Oh no, it's it's mirrored, so uh, it's exactly the way it's supposed to be. So, <laughs> yeah, well, the, the idea all along was that you're going to navigate to the visitor center, then the wizard mode would be getting out of there. So I had to pick a direction. So uh, that's how it works. <laughs> Can you give us some of your de- design philosophy? Because I know that you know we talked about Iron Maiden the first go around. You said you kind of wasn't it like Judge Dread is what you were kind of looking for but something more flowy, but something um, you love shooting or. <sighs> I compared it to judge red. Yeah. I don't yes. really like judge dread, but oh. um, it, it was a unique attempt at uh, kind of a similar layout. Um, my design philosophy is this. You should get mad at yourself for missing an easy shot, but you should also get excited if you make a hard shot. That will always be my design philosophy. So, for example, Jurassic Park, I shoot the left or I miss the left ramp. I am now mad at myself. But then I hit the O and I'm excited. So to me, if a game has all easy shots, then you're you're just to me, it just becomes like you expect to make the shots. And if you don't, then you get mad at yourself. So I wanted to reward the player. And Iron Maze the same way with the uh, the revive spinner on the left side. It's a tough shot. 
and it's great if you make it. Plus, it gives you you know the outlane ball saves. So, um, I also want every shot to do something. Um, that was a, a big thing with Jurassic. It's, it has so many count-ups. You know, we call them bear kicks because I think that was one of the first games to actually start uh, counting shots. It's like, hey, what, what do we do? That's it. I can't think of anything. So we'll have it count up and give specific rewards, and then usually later in the design process, we'll we'll think of that reward. Okay. So, so to me, it's important not to have empty shots. What's the hardest shot on Jurassic Park? <laughs> Oh, I know it's the O shot, but that's by design. What are you talking about? I think it's the the smart missile when the truck's in the way. <laughs> um, I have an easy, easier time with that than I do really? hitting the O shot. Yeah, the O shot, the O shot's annoying, but it's so great when you hit it. So maybe it's just me. I choke up. I always get chaos lit, and then I I always fail to start it by hitting up between those pop bumpers. <laughs> yeah. It's so. definitely a hard shot too, but that's why there are such great rewards on it. Uh, oh, yeah. the smart missile awards are would be extremely game unbalancing if that was an easy shot. So, totally agree. Yeah, the, the one that I have the hardest with is uh, the one that you hit with the upper flipper that goes up to the. Um, I don't know which shot is that. It shoots across and then goes up to the wire ramp. Uh, the the raptor tower shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Raptor Tower shot. Every time I, it, it just is going so fast. I break it every single time. <laughs> if I get it, if I get it, I'm like, woo, yeah. <laughs> yeah, any shot deemed to be difficult, you know, should give you. So the Raptor Tower shot advances some awards, including awarding fossils in your uh, super trank. So as I said, if I if I make a hard shot, I, I try to make it rewarding at the same time. Now, the one challenge I had on the escape mode is you can move around the shots. Uh, and so, one, how do you do that? And two, uh, that was the easier way for me to to shoot around that shot as opposed to just bricking that shot all the time. Yeah, so that was a dynamic I built in to make you think twice as a speedrunner. So if you hit the truck, it's going to shift the uh, rescue rotations. And if you hit it again, it'll shift it back to where it originally was. So uh, if your last shot is on the O shot, and you're in a speed run, so now you have to think to yourself, well, I mean, I could take three shots at this O shot at the time it's going to take me to hit the truck, get the ball back under control, and shoot whatever. Uh, I think it's the helipad. Uh, so uh, that's just a little risk-reward action I threw in there. It's like, okay, if you want to make the easier shot, you're going to have to waste time doing it. So that was the whole incentive behind hitting the truck to rotate your shots. So what, what you're saying is you can uh, – it sounds like if you turn the truck, you have an option of shifting them one direction. But if you hit it again, it goes back to the original. Is that correct? Yes. 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 There's only two different spots from where each rescue spawns. So, yeah, if I hit the truck, it's going to it's going to move to the easier shot. And if you know, if I hit it again, it's going to move back. So if you're in a speed run, you want to keep your truck facing the same direction. So if you turn it to collect the easier shot, well, now you got to turn it back before you leave the paddock in order to uh, stay in that easy path. I'm not going to be offended if you can't answer this question and, and you can just tell me, Josh, no. But do you get to pick your themes? Is there can you <laughs> kind of tell us the process no. of picking themes? Oh, no. Okay. No worries. <laughs> uh, I'm the little man on the totem pole, so uh, hopefully someday I'll get to pick my themes. Okay. I, I didn't know if it was like you get to sit at the table and they, they give you a list of themes and you say, okay, I'll take that. Or if it's... Yeah, I mean, we'll have meetings. Hey, what do you guys, what do you guys think is cool and what do you guys think is not cool? But uh, okay. as far as saying I want to do this theme, I, I have not experienced that, no. So... I was kind of sneaky. I knew that we were going to record with you and I was listening to this flipping podcast last week. And Tommy said that your games are so good. that He's a fan for life. And essentially if a Keith L one game comes out, he's just going to buy it. And the only thing that would prevent him from buying one of your games is a terrible, terrible theme. It had to be absolutely just the worst theme. So I went to Facebook and I asked everyone, What's the worst theme you could think up? And I want to pitch some of these to you, Keith, and see, because I, I want you to pick one of these, and then we'll throw it to our audience to see 
if they would or wouldn't buy the game, even though you were designing it. So you ready? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Matt Shablom, he submitted U.S. Supreme Court pinball. <laughs> uh, Ryan now, can we Gant. do a C-SPAN game? Yeah, let's do C-SPAN. <laughs> yeah, we'll do um, The History of Toast or Laundry Day. Some of these I'm going to leave out because I, f- I feel like you'd actually make like I don't I don't feel like uh, my little pony's too far out of the park. <laughs> well, that's Gary's favorite. He's been dying to do that forever. Oh, OK. OK. So, Keith, you're a brony. Is that what it is? My Yeah, for the bronies. The One bronies. Of my favorite Bob's yeah. Burger episodes. Yep. <laughs> OK, let's see. We got pinball podcast request for the Twippy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Thank you, Ian, for that one. Uh, Franchi says, everyone poops. It's a children's book. Uh, it is. So uh, there's that theme. Let's see what else we got. Jeff Patterson put the Aquabats. Uh, I don't know if you've even heard of them. I don't even know what that is. See, see, I, I didn't know if you would or not because you are from San Diego and they're from San Diego. Anyhow. Huh. All right. Let's see. Uh, Battlefield Earth. The old John Travolta movie. I don't know if you remember that one. <laughs> Battlefield Earth, yes. Yes. That would be a great wizard mode. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> Scott Larson did colonoscopy, a, a journey to your core. <laughs> These does, are that, terrible. does that come with assets? Yes. Yes, yes. It does come with assets. Get my joke there? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Assets. Yeah, got it. Yes. Sorry, this is family friendly. Come on, guys. Yes. Oh, come on. I got it. Talking about? Yes. Uh, it's a medical. Chris, Chris Chandler did Antique Roadshow. Oh, I actually like that show. <laughs> I th- I think that pretty much there's some other ones on here, but uh, I'm not going to touch them. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, so some of them were not family friendly. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. Oh, sorry. I'm going to go with Jeff Rivera's too. anything country music theme. And he means like the new pop country, not like Johnny Cash or anything like that. He's like Keith Urban, y- you know, that that newer stuff. So I, I think a Dolly Parton uh, would sell. A new Dolly Parton. Vault the Dolly. I like it. Vault the Dolly. Yeah. I, I really like that game. Yeah. Okay. So, Keith, those are your options. Let's go back to them really quick. Uh, so, Supreme Court Pinball or C SPAN, uh, The History of Toast, Laundry Day, uh, what, any country music theme, Pinball Podcaster, Quest for the Twippy, <laughs> Everyone Poops, Battlefield Earth, and Colonoscopy, A Journey to Your Core. <laughs> Oh, an antique roadshow. So, so if, we're, if we're basing these themes off toys that integrate into the game, I would say Laundry Day. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. okay. La- laundry Day sounds like an episode of uh, SpongeBob. That's what it sounds like, just with uh, just kinetic energy all over the place. Yeah, so I can picture a you know rotating device, dryer with a magnet, grabs the ball, and you're drying your clothes. I, I can picture this. Alrighty, audience. We're gonna here it is. Keith has picked his theme. We're gonna throw this to the face page. All we're gonna ask is a simple yes or no. If Keith Elwin came out with Laundry Day, the pinball machine, would you or wouldn't you buy it? Simple as that, right? I, I can make a game out of that. It's something everybody can relate to. Um, like I said, there's some mechanical devices you can put on there, so there's a game there. And it would probably be absolutely epic and it'd probably be in the top 10 no matter what that's the funny part to me you know? <laughs> it's all about perspective <laughs> yep all right scott you got any other questions really quick um yeah so uh i have a question is the uh the beanie we sent you is that keeping you toasty warm during the winter time yes yes i keep it in my gym bag i mean that thing, that thing covers my neck if I, I pull it all the way down <laughs> oh, it's cr- it's crazy big. I, I actually have the uh, the one with the stripes and the pom pom on the top. Oh, yeah. and yeah, and basically, I could walk around the house with that alone and still be hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another month, and uh, we should see the sun again here in uh, Chicago. Yeah, we won't see it here in Utah for till May or June, somewhere around there. So something like that. Yeah, it, we get we get these weird winters out here. They, they toy with us. Oh, it's, it's almost summer. And then we get like a, a blizzard comes through for some odd reason. So, <laughs> well, at least I, I live by the ski resort, so I can actually go skiing. So yeah. Ski Chicago, man. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, like water bet- ski Chicago, like Lake Michigan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's different here. 
So Keith, what what shows are you going to this year? Uh, you guys you guys kind of take turns on going to different shows, right? Oh, I'm not sure. Um, probably Expo because it's in my backyard. Uh, probably Pinburg because it's awesome. Uh, other than that, I have no plans. Okay. He doesn't want his groupies to know. It's probably true. Stalkers. Yes, it's true. I'll tell Ren I'm going to MGC, and then I don't show up. I'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> you have to wear your Clark, Clark Kent glasses. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, worst disguise ever, right? Oh, he's got glasses. I can't tell Superman. Um, okay, so uh, you've been at Stern for how long? About two years? Uh, I am nine days shy of three years. Wow. So what has been the best surprising thing about working at Stern? It's so funny because you hear how everyone thinks things work here, and it's completely not true. Uh, it, this is a great place to work. It's really relaxed. It's fun. Um, all these rumors about Gary ripping stuff out of games is hilarious because everyone on the inside knows it's actually the opposite. He, he's sitting there jamming stuff in your game. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's a great place to work. I have no complaints. Well, and, and I can't remember if it was on our show when you were on Head to Head, but you were talking about you had pretty much all designed Jurassic Park. And then Gary was like, where's the mech? Where, where's the eating dinosaur or something like that? And you're like, that's that's a great example. It's like, all right, here's a, uh, a T-Rex that moves back and forth. And Gary's like, no, it's got to eat the ball. He's like, well, it's going to be expensive. <laughs> I don't care. It's got to eat the ball. And so it's like, all right. So I thought for sure the two bank was toast. And uh, so we went ahead and did all that with the T-Rex. Gary sees it. I love it. I love the two bank. We're keeping it. So <laughs> it's uh, it's no, this is a, it's the best job on the planet. No complaints. Awesome. Okay. By the way, I will say on the speed run uh, on escape, I loved that the dinosaur is like a Labrador who's just looking at the do- at the ball the whole time. It's like a dog. Can I play? Can I play? Can I play? <laughs> well, he needs to stay out of the way. So yeah, that's all he can do. Now, now is 1.0, is that really a landmark for you? Or is it, you feel that, okay, everything I've envisioned in the game is basically there and now it's fine tuning from there yes. or, okay. Yes. We're not, we're not adding any more features, which are obviously the time consuming part of code development. We can always tweak, make obviously bug fixes, but it is feature complete now. It's not missing anything. Now you also is it str- is it a struggle for you since you're doing, uh, you seem to be doing more than the standard uh, designer in that you're actually doing the rules simultaneously as you're doing the playfield. Uh, is that different than how other people approach it? It seems like in the past people have done the uh, playfield and the coder envisions the rule set, uh, but it seems like you are way more in, involved in that than uh, I, I would previously think, I guess. Uh, it's true. Uh, my programmer, Rick Nagel, is, you know, he's new to pinball. He knew nothing about pinball coming here. And he's just like, just tell me what to do, man. I'll, I'll do it. I don't care. And so we work great together. And um, he'll come up with some ideas, but he pretty much just takes what I give him and says, yeah, I can do that. And if, if I if he can't do it, he'll say so. But uh, for the most part, yeah, this uh, this team works really well. So that's another question that I, I know you kind of I don't know if you kind of answered just there, but do do you guys try to keep the teams together as much as possible? If something's not working, you kind of jazz it up, or how does that work? Uh, so yeah, we're I mean, so the core team is considered the engineer, which is Harrison Drake, uh, myself, and uh, the head programmer, which is Rick. So. Uh, as far as I know, we're staying together. So, you know, we kind of we kind of know how each other work. You know, I'll I'll screw something up royally in one of my CAD files. Harrison will be quick to point it out and just fix it, um, and then tease me about it. But it's it's good. Yeah, no, we we were a really good dynamic. And then, do they just kind of insert the artists and everything as you go along, or? Is... Yeah, yeah. The artist usually comes in halfway through the project. Same with the sound guy. Okay. And cool. it's usually like who's available and. Who wants to do it at that point? Well, everyone wants to do a Keith game, right? (laughs) (laughs) All aboard. All aboard. 
Alrighty. Well, if that does it for questions, I would like to move on to, uh, I, I sent this over to you too. Um, I don't know if anyone else has noticed this past couple days, but Slap Saved called it quits. Uh, they have shut down their podcast for now. Uh, we want to wish the best to Jason and Matt and Chris that all did uh, Slap Save at one time or another. But we're going to do a segment still in their honor. So this segment still is the Flip Bolt Torch. For those that don't know about this, if you've never listened to a Slap Save, slap save episode, uh, Flip Bolt Torches, you... We're going to pick a year and we're going to pick a manufacturer and we're going to go through the list of those machines in that, in that criteria. And we're going to decide which one we'd flip. So that means we'd buy and then automatically turn around and sell it for the profit, which one we'd bolt to our floor or which one we would throw in a bonfire to torch. So the year that we've picked is 1995 Bally Williams. And this was a great year. The list of these machines are attack from Mars, Congo, Dirty Harry, Jackbot, Johnny Mnemonic, No Fear, Fear of Magic, and Who Done It. <laughs> Eight titles in one year—that's insane. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you too. Uh, whoever wants to go first, Keith or Scott, which one of these would you flip and and sell for the profit? What kind of profit are we talking about? Uh, I already I already have my answer. That would be Theater of Magic. <laughs> Okay, why, why Theater of Magic? Just because you can make a good profit off of it? I think, yeah. I mean, it's a gorgeous game. People go crazy for it. Personally, I think it's boring, but uh, I could see why people are drawn to it. So that's not a game I'd really want in my house, but uh, I know I can make a profit on it. So that's my answer. Okay. What about yeah, you, Scott? What that's you... my answer, too. So uh, my buddy who has the Jurassic Park LE um, that I'm still waiting for him to sell to me, but uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, the uh, I, Theater of Magic, he had it. He had three J-pop games. He had uh, Theater of Magic, uh, Circus Voltaire, and uh, Tales of the Arabian Nights. And he, he was trying to shake up his collection. He said, which one would you sell? And uh, everyone's everyone in our group said, you should sell Theater because it's it doesn't provide the same fun the other ones, but it still has a good value. So it, I, I don't miss it at all. Agreed. I think I'm right there. I'm right there both with you. I think I would sell theater of magic as 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 tempting as Who Done It is and the profit I'd make off of that. I, I really do have to go with theater. <laughs> is there a profit on Who Done It? I don't know. I, I met a man once that bought a Who Done It because he thought he was going to make thousands of dollars off of it, and then he. He bought it. I can't remember how much he bought it for, but he was trying to sell it for like five, six grand, and it just wasn't moving. He's like, "I Oof. don't know what's wrong." Yeah, Ooh, like, uh, he's delusional. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we've all agreed we're getting rid of theater or, or flipping it. Uh, which one of these games are you bolting to your floor, Keith? Congo. Really? Yep. Not not attack or uh, well, that's pretty I much. I already have two attack from ours, so <laughs> yeah. Plus, I can no, no. pretty much go to any location on the planet that has one. So, Congo sure. is much harder to find out in the wild. Yes, yeah. it is. And, and my same friend who actually, uh, he powder coated it. He made it beautiful. He got a different translate on it. And then he uh, called me and said, hey, by the way, I sold Congo. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, it's a fun game. I, I, I didn't get to the end of it. However, I do own an Attack from Mars, and it is one of my family's favorite. And so I would have to bolt the tax from Mars and I have the LE. So it has the, the jumping, uh, jumping alien on top and it's really pretty. So I'll, I'll take that one. Okay. Yeah. It's definitely a tough call between us two, but, uh, like I said, I can play attack from Mars anywhere and I own two myself. So, uh, yeah, if looking at this list, that wouldn't be my first choice. You just like the hit, the hippos comment on, uh, Congo hippos. <laughs> Like I, that game is just a fun shooter. I think that's what. That's yeah, why it I really like it. is. Uh, I've actually owned both Attack from Mars and Congo, and I'm going to say Attack from Mars because Congo left my collection. It's it's a great game. It really is. And just honestly, my nine year old son he loves that game. He keeps asking me when we're going to get a Congo back, and I, <laughs> I have to break the news to him today. I don't know if we'll ever see a Congo again. I don't know if that was a good decision to get rid of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm glad I picked up mine when I did back when they couldn't give them away. So uh, no regrets. Oh, I don't blame you there. All righty, guys. Which one 
of these games are you throwing in a big old fire and torching? Uh, no fear. Really? Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I I like no fear. <laughs> I, I it, it seems a uh, very fast, very uh, very circus like. Um, you know, I, Jackpot does nothing for me. It, it really doesn't. It it's the the layout seems very boring, and so I I would never own a Jackpot. So I I, I I don't hate. Well, I okay, yeah, I hate Jackpot. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wow a little angst there huh scott yeah a little bit yeah <laughs> uh I, i'd get rid of whodunit it's one of the games out of all these i just i i have i've played and played and played and i just can't get into and yeah it is what it is <laughs> so. it, it feels like you should be more satisfied in playing whodunit you're right it, but i'll still burn jackpot it's fine i remember when whodunit first came out we thought it was amazing. Oh, look, you know, cause it's a story based game. You're, you're collecting weapons, you're collecting clues. And then, uh, yeah, it's kind of went downhill from there. Yeah. Well, it, it feels like one of those choose your own adventure books for a nine year old. Right. Yeah. Or, or, pl- or playing clue. It's just it, it, at the end, you're just like, okay, well that was kind of boring. And I have two different strategies for no fear. No matter what you're doing, you're shooting the looping ramp or you're just continually shooting the scoop. Yeah, taking a kick out, kicking it back into the scoop until you get over the edge. Those are the two strategies. <laughs> so, so is this one of the reasons? No fear is one of the reasons you don't like putting scoops on your game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's it's just uh, if you're gonna have a scoop, don't have it award something potentially great, and don't have the kick out, so you can just repeatedly shoot it over and over. So, yeah, uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Scoops. It seems like it, it's I'm going really fast in a game, and oh, I'll just pause for five seconds while it does something and sh- spits it back out. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm not a big fan of Scoops either. They're o- they're okay. Uh, uh, on some games, I guess Tron. I think is fun, but it's yeah. yeah. If I can get away with an up post and a target, I'll do it. So we'll hear and do recap. We're all going to flip Theater of Magic. Uh, Keith is bolting Congo while Scott and I are bolting down Attack from Mars. And we're all, oh, I guess we're not all going to, but uh, Keith was going to torch No Fear. Scott is doing Jackbot for some odd weird reason. <laughs> it's just I'm not fun. Sorry. <laughs> well, I'm seeing a resurgent right now with da- Jackbot. I don't know if it's because Jack Danger's playing it a lot or whatnot, but it, it's a fun game. I think it's a fun game. Okay, Especially so I flip price. it then. <laughs> See, to me okay I, I will i will say this about jackpot i own one i don't think it's the greatest game ever but i think it's pretty brilliant how they did the multi-ball in so many stages it's so hard to get through um it's like when you get to the supervisor so that's to me that's the saving grace of jackpot if it weren't for that yeah i'd find it pretty boring too not true. I, I think the play field should look prettier. I, I it's an ugly play field. I'm sorry that that giant visor with the with the lights. It just there's nothing really to look at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not much of a looker, but yeah, you know, I, as a tournament game, I enjoy it. Uh, when I had one, I have one in my collection. I actually don't know where it is right now. It's storage, I think. But um, yeah, when it's when it's set up in my collection, I don't really play it. But it was a big hit, or I had a. Uh, a pinball party at my house and I put uh, two inch flippers on it uh, <laughs> as a, little, a little side tournament and people were going nuts about it. So if you're bored of your jackpot, do that. It, it, it'll uh, reinvigorate it. Nice. It's always those little tweaks that make a game so much better, isn't it? <laughs> well, with the center post. Yeah. Cause it doesn't, you had a lot of center post strategy. Oh yeah, it's true. It's amazing how much a center post will change your entire strategy on any game. I, th- I think that pretty much does it for us. I, I can't think of anything else that we had on our list. You've you've been such a gracious guest. We really appreciate you always coming on, Keith. And we we appreciate you making us somewhat semi-famous because you're wearing our hat to the tournament. So <laughs> it's a good hat. <laughs> so, well, we'll uh, we're we're making that uh, that limited edition shirt. So we'll uh, we'll be getting you that too. So. Well, you know, I used to wear the head-to-head shirt, and look what happened with them. So, and just warning you guys. Ooh. Uh, yeah, we haven't reached 100 episodes. That's usually when people drop off. So, <laughs> yeah. 
And, and everybody who's listening, I'm on the lookout for a Jurassic Park LE. So if you want to sell one, hit me up. Why would you? Why would you sell one at 1.0? That's the worst time. <laughs> no, no, I want to buy one at 1.0. I don't want to sell it. <laughs> You're asking people to sell it. It's like they at least got to play 1.0, then sell it. You know what? Pe- you know what? People, there, there's like other games coming out. So you want to sell it so you can free up that space. Oh, I get it. I absolutely get it. I, yeah. Problem is, I'm, I'm not very bad at selling games. I'll just put them in storage. So now it reaches oh. the point where I have 50 games in storage. And I was like, I don't even remember what I have. No, I, I'm the worst. I actually, I, I, I hate negotiating to buy and sell things. And so I end up just buying them. I actually, uh, I, I, I'm not kidding. Today I looked up and I found a uh, Jurassic Park LE and I told my friend who's really good at flipping games. I'm like, Hey, go and see what you can get it for because I want this game. So it's, uh, I don't know, he, he's my, uh, he, he likes doing that stuff. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> it's part of the disease, man. He's just like, yeah. Oh, I love this game. I love this game. Ooh, the new shiny game. Uh, this game's going to storage, or I'm selling it, or that's part of the beauty of this hobby, you know. Well, yep. legitimately, I have Shrek, which is fun enough, but I'm like, I look at that and I think, what else could I have in this spot? And I could think of a million games. Uh, uh, I I would take uh, I would take Jurassic Park, I'd take Iron Maiden, I'd take a uh, Black Knight, I'd take any of those. So, yeah, I I'm trying to buy a Jurassic Park, but they won't sell me one. And I do not own an Iron Maiden, so uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought. Well, didn't didn't you give away your Iron Maiden for a a prize? I did. Uh, it was a pro. Uh, I was like, if I ever got an Iron Maiden, it's going to be a premium because I like the looks of that. The whole reason I had a uh, Jeremy do the Egypt package because I'm a big Egyptologist. So I was like, hey, we're gonna quote unquote theme this Power Slave. You know, I just wanted all the Egypt stuff in there I could get. So. Uh, <laughs> that's the one i want um jurassic i definitely want a premium as well so uh but unfortunately they're all back ordered and i can't get one yeah so if anyone out there has a has a premium you know help keith out because he has a rough time getting a hold of these machines <laughs> actually there, there's a premium iron maiden here that uh, has been on sale and i would love to take it home but my uh uh my Nine-year-old, six-year-old, and five-year-old may uh, may get nightmares from it. So, <laughs> what does it also play into your decision too? It's like I don't really need to buy this game because I can just go to work and hit Stern Alley and and just play it for however long and be good to go. Yeah, um, I don't have. I have one pinball machine set up in my condo right now. It's Harbor Lights by Gottlieb. Um, I d- yeah. When I moved to Chicago, I left all my games in California and. Uh, yeah, I miss them. I miss being able to play them. But at the same time, it's also nice having space. Since I have three games shoehorned in my office, I have a Beat the Clock. I have a Jurassic and a uh, Iron Maiden um, test games. So I get enough playing here that when I get home, I'm good. I'm good with my wood rail. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Do, do you have a game, a grail game out there right now that you're saying, I want that? Oh, it would be something older for sure, you know, from when I grew up. I've always wanted a cheetah, uh, stargazers on that list. Uh, pretty much, you know, the obscure 80s Stern Electronics games. Those are the games I grew up playing and love. Um, I have a hard time letting go in any of my uh, Stern games. I, I got rid of a Galaxy a while ago, and I regret it. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, definitely cheetah and stargazer at the top of those lists. All right, so anybody listening who has a lead on a cheetah or a stargazer, message no, no, Keith I'm not buying any more games. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till I move back to California, <laughs> which is never because you're building the next ten Stern games. So. Yeah, probably never, but you know, a guy can dream. You can vacate. You can vacation. That's true. I can, I can go visit them anytime. When you hit up Gary, whatever they're paying you, they, they need to pay you more. Because, man, seriously, these games are amazing. They're they're redefining modern pinball, in my opinion. They're fantastic. So, oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, my next game was uh, completely different from the other two games. So, um, yeah, hope uh, everyone likes it. Yeah. The problem is it's going to be displacing all my old uh, bolt-down games because I'm going to have a Keith wall. So. <laughs> Well, and even I don't know if you listened. We had Josh Sharp on here a little while back, and he says it's rough now because it's like seriously, it's like well, Keith's next game's coming out soon. 
what do I have to get rid of to put this into my collection? <laughs> I've been to Josh's so. house. That's an easy answer. Oh. <laughs> Gottlieb Orbit has got to go, my friend. That is the worst game ever. <laughs> nice. Does he have an Orbiter 1? Because I hope he does with the warped play field. No, no. He's got a Gottlieb Orbit, which we were using it in some tournament there, and it was constantly slam tilting itself. And we were just like, why do you even have this game? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, well, thank you, Keith. We appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you shooting the breeze with us and taking time out of your, your busy schedule and uh, coming to say hi to all, all these little peeps. So. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks a lot. We'll see you. Oh, right, wait, you. hold on. What? Hold on, hold on. If you want someone to get a hold of you, we got to do the whole spiel. I forget. Oh, okay, all right. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So if you want someone to get a hold of you at all, how do you how do you want them to contact you? Uh, Me? Yeah, you. I don't. Okay, that works. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm a recluse, we, man. I live in a cave. Nah, <laughs> well, Facebook, Facebook's fine. Okay. We, you never know. There's people out there. Like I said, you've got your groupies. You know, you you are the uh, Guns N' Roses of our time, right? <laughs> uh, so. Yes, I have groupies. I, They're all guys, but they, I have groupies. <laughs> you, you, you and Rush, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're all guys. If you want to get a hold of us, we are Loser Kid Pinball Podcast at gmail.com. Get a hold of us on Facebook at Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. If you want to get one of those sweet beanies like Keith was talking about that can go all the way down to your neckline, I just got a, I got a fresh batch in. Uh, hit us up if you'd like that at Gmail or Facebook, or you can even contact Josh. Or Josh, good, Hannah. You can contact Scott or me. We'll get it done. So we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for taking out your time. time no problem. Out of your schedule, Keith. No problem. So. Enjoy. Thanks, Keith. All, right. all right, thanks. Sit down.